Welcome to the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast, where we can help you build confidence with your orthopedic evaluation and management skills. We hope you enjoy the show. And now, for your host, Paul Marquis. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 58 of the Ortho Eval Pal Podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis. Today, I thought we would do something a little different. Just a little thought-provoking podcast to uh, throw some ideas out at you and uh, to get you thinking a little bit. And this is something that uh, I've noticed over the years and um, just want to uh, throw it out there. Maybe some of you have ideas or you've come across some literature that helps to confirm these uh, thoughts that I have. Uh, But we're going to be talking about excess collagen deposition. And uh, we're going to be talking about three different topics. Uh, Dupuytren's contractures. We're going to talk about adhesive capsulitis knee arthrofibrosis. We're going to talk about how they are um, different in some ways, but very, very similar in others. And so uh, we're going to go through some of the uh, risk factors to getting some of these. What does it mean when you have it? And then more importantly, we're going to talk about, you know, what do they all have in common and how can they change the way we uh, manage and treat our patients who have these? But before we get started, I'd like to take a word from our sponsor. Do you experience leg and foot fatigue when standing for long periods of time? A main doctor and the company he founded, Mainly Technology Group, have created a high-tech, all-terrain, chemical-free sock designed to reduce fatigue. The Easy Glider Sock has a graduated compression weave to keep blood flowing and to keep you energized. Created by Dr. Lee Thibodeau, the Easy Glider is also frictionless, lightweight, warm, extremely durable, and wicks away moisture. The socks will stay fresh for days, thanks to the organic antimicrobial agent, Kytosan. Easy Glider is the only sock you'll ever need for sports, work, and leisure. To find out more, visit EasyGliderSocks.com. That's EasyGliderSocks.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. So the first thing we are going to talk about today in regards to excess collagen deposition, and what does that mean? Um, Usually there's some sort of an inflammatory um, response that happens post-injury, post-surgery, um, due to immobilization, sometimes due to an infection. Uh, and and because of this, we end up reacting, the, the body reacts and starts to uh, deposit a lot of collagen fibers. Therefore, uh, developing some scarring, some stiffness, uh, and oftentimes very debilitating, painful stiffness. And this can happen in multiple areas in your body. So the first thing I want to talk about is Dupuytren's contractors. And you've all seen this, you know, that fourth and fifth finger. Uh, Sometimes the third finger is really uh, stuck in deflection, doesn't extend very well. There's a big fibrous flexor tendon that's sticking out there. And Sometimes they're they're not painful at all, and most of the time they're really more functionally limiting than anything. There's a lot of people who can continue doing what they want to do with a Dupuytren's contractor, but they can they can become very very restrictive over time. So you know what are some of the risk factors? Number one, um, you usually see this in people who are over fifty years old, and more often in males than females. Now there's also a high incidence of this uh, as far as ancestry goes, and it seems like males of Northern European descent are at much higher risk of developing a Dupuytren's contracture than those who are not. Um, Diabetics are at higher risk. Those who smoke tobacco and use tobacco and or alcohol are also at higher risk of developing a Dupuytren's contracture. Um, There could be a family history, so this could have a hereditary component. And there's still an unknown cause about why these people um, develop a Dupuytren's contracture. So 
can be very painful, can be very limiting. And I'm not going to tell you any more than that. Uh, I will have a picture in the show notes and uh, in the beginning of this podcast that shows you what a DuPuytian contractor looks like if you've never seen one before. And um, I'm going to talk about the next couple areas, the other areas where we have a lot of excess collagen deposition. And um, then we'll kind of piece this together so you know where I'm going with this. So the next thing I'd like to talk about, number two, would be adhesive capsulitis. This is something I see a lot of. I love treating adhesive capsulitis because most people get better. Now, if you leave an adhesive capsulitis patient alone, they naturally will get better over the course of one to two years. And getting better means that they will have less pain, uh, but not necessarily better motion or good, full, complete motion. So it's very important that um, these people get to therapy and they get worked on uh, to maximize their motion and maximize their strength. But who's at highest risk of getting adhesive capsulitis? Um, this I love this topic because you can really take what I'm going to tell you here, these next six um, risk factors, and you can ask the question and almost diagnose the patient without even putting a hand on them. So one, females uh, get this more than males. That's very, very common. Um, number two, it usually has, there's an unknown cause to this. So sometimes there may be trauma. Sometimes there isn't any trauma. Um, they really don't know the true cause of adhesive capsulitis. Does this sound familiar already? Kind of like Dupuytren's contracture, okay? Number three, diabetics are at higher risk uh, than uh, pretty much anybody else out there uh, as far as uh, risk factors go to developing adhesive capsulitis. Number four, this is very common in perimenopausal or uh, postmenopausal women. Number five, this is something that people seem to miss quite a bit, um, but patients who have thyroid issues are at very high risk of um, developing an adhesive capsulitis. It's very, very rare that I see a patient with adhesive capsulitis who doesn't have a, a thyroid problem. So I always ask about thyroid conditions when I uh, see patients with shoulder dysfunction, especially if they've lost motion in all positions. And that's quite common that you lose uh, motion in all positions. Uh, and then the, the, the sixth component uh, would be a hereditary one, okay? So they, they do know, and through the research that I have done, it seems like they are looking at uh, heredity as a bigger predictor of uh, somebody who is going to have an, an adhesive capsulitis. So if there's a little family history there, you should know that, okay? So now it sounds like some of these things coincide with Dupuytren's contractors, okay? So remember that. Number three, knee arthrofibrosis. Another problem um, that uh, patients have and develop an excess collagen deposition and uh, basically have stiffness and pain associated with that. So, um, you know, you see with these people with uh, knee arthrofibrosis, a fibrous capsule, and then they, they end up with limitation in deflection or extension. You see this in diabetics. Now, I see this very commonly. You can have diabetes and have a total knee replacement and do quite well. But if you are if you have a diabetic patient who doesn't control their diabetes very well, you will notice as a practitioner like physical therapists who see these patients, you know, three two or three times a week, you'll notice that like ups and downs. If they're if they're not keeping their blood sugars in check, um, you're going to see a day where they're really really stiff, really really irritated, uh, inflamed, painful to move, and then they level out a little bit. Their blood sugars um, are in check, or they're, or they're taking care of it, and then he starts to respond and do better. That is very common. 
So make sure that um, your diabetic patients are taking care of their diabetes if they're going to be having some sort of a shoulder surgery, knee surgery, hand surgery. Um, and then Severity of trauma. So real severe knee trauma can cause an arthrofibrosis. Okay. So basically the joint capsule becomes really uh, inflamed. It responds by depositing collagen fibers, which become stiff. And if you don't start moving that at the appropriate time, especially actively, um, that deposed, you know, that, that laying down of the fibers will start to stiffen and become painful at first. And then later on just become really, really stiff and you have significant loss of motion. They've also associated knee arthrofibrosis with the length of surgery um, on knee surgery. So the longer you go while you're under um, anesthetized and uh, typically with a tourniquet, you will um, have, uh, you'll be more likely to have some sort of a uh, arthrofibrosis of the knee. And then so length of immobilization. This is one thing I always kind of tell people to be careful with. Um, it is okay to put an immobilizer on an athlete who just blew their ACL out on the field and you want to try to get them to the uh, emergency department for an x-ray and then a referral to orthopedics. But Keeping an immobilizer on an injured knee for four to five weeks is a recipe for disaster, okay? Very, 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 very seldomly, like maybe one to 5% of the time, you'll keep an immobilizer on a patient for a long period of time. That decision should only be made by an orthopedic surgeon if that has to be done. But I've seen patients with multiple ligamentous injuries and the sooner we get them out of the brace, the better. Having a good diagnosis allows us to treat it appropriately so that um, you're not damaging more tissue. Let's say they have a grade three MCL sprain. Um, you don't want to damage that more by putting more stress on it or anything like that. Um, but early safe motion is very, very important in avoiding and preventing arthrofibrosis. So think about all of the factors that we talked about in each of these diagnoses, all right? And we're going to be back in just a moment after we get a word from our sponsor, and we're going to talk about what these have in common and how do we manage them. Did you know that over 90% of foot and ankle problems are caused by a tight calf muscle? Introducing the Easy Slant, a durable, adjustable, and portable calf stretching device. The Easy Slant was designed to increase stretching compliance and get you back on your feet and feeling better, faster. So if you work with patients seeking to ease or avoid foot pain or clients who want to improve their athletic performance, look no further. Visit easyslant.com to learn more or order yours today. Enter coupon code OEP for a 10% discount on your first Easy Slant. Hello and welcome back, everyone. So now that we've talked about adhesive capsulitis, Dupuytren's contracture, and um, the arthrofibrotic knee, I think we should try to take this and bring this together, okay? So what are some of the things that all three of these have in common? Number one, you do not need to use diagnostic imaging for any of these. You can diagnose a Dupuytren's contracture, adhesive capsulitis, and an arthrofibrotic knee while the patient is right there on the table in front of you, okay? So it doesn't take an MRI, x-rays, blood work, any of that stuff to identify that these people have this problem. They 
all have restricted motion associated with them. Okay, so adhesive capsulitis and the arthrofibrotic knee will lose motion in all positions. Okay, so the adhesive capsulitis, you typically would lose flexion, internal, external rotation, extension, abduction. Um, you'll lose all of those. The whole capsule becomes fibrotic and painful. The same thing with the knee. That capsule is anterior, lateral, posterior. It's all in, in medial, and it becomes hard and limits your motion in all positions. The Dupuytren's contracture, usually you're stuck into flexion. You have a hard time extending. But these people can't contract that tendon very well, so they do lose active flexion also. So there's something in common. They lose motion um, in multiple directions, okay? All of them develop a fibrous buildup um, in abundance and usually in the absence of an acute inflammatory response. So at first, it starts with an acute inflammatory response. You have inflammation, you deposit all of this fibrous tissue, and then um, it, it you, all these fibroblasts get fired off, and then it becomes stiff and stiff and stiff. And then the acute inflammatory process passes, and then these people become stiff and non-painful unless you hit the end of the range. Okay, that is very common with all three of these. All right. So there's no active inflammatory response later on down the road once they've developed the uh, fibrotic uh, tissue. And then a lot of these, uh, oftentimes, another uh, thing they have in common is that these can all be released um, with injection, like Xyaflex for the Dupuytren contracture, and then some sort of a forceful manipulation, either of the flexor tendon, uh, or if it's a shoulder, you can manipulate the shoulder under anesthesia, uh, and uh, you can also manipulate the knee under anesthesia. And these can respond fairly well to these types of procedures. So they all have that in common also. So I want you to think about, I want you to think about that. Okay. Um, so where I'm going with this is that if you have a patient who, let's say, is going to be having a rotator cuff repair, it's not a bad idea to take a look at their hand and to see if they have any signs of um, a Dupuytren's contracture that is starting. Okay, I see a huge incidence of especially males who have a Dupuytren's contracture. They have a rotator cuff repair or maybe a total shoulder replacement, reverse total shoulder replacement. They come out of surgery. They may start therapy. You know, it varies uh, by surgeon anywhere from two weeks to eight weeks after surgery. And I will tell you, from experience that these folks who have very stiff shoulders oftentimes have early signs of a Dupuytren's contracture, okay? This is very, very common, especially in men. If your patients are diabetic, if they have a thyroid problem, um, and if maybe they've had open heart surgery, these folks are all at risk of adhesive capsulitis. Ask about a family history of adhesive capsulitis, okay? Um, and why do we need to find out if these people are going to be tight? Well, what you do is you contact the orthopedic surgeon. You have a, con a conversation with them and say, I'm really suspicious that this patient's going to be tight afterwards. Could we start them in therapy a little bit earlier so you can start some, some passive range of motion, avoid the stiffening uh, of the joint, 
so that they can mobilize better. Know what they fixed in surgery. If they did a rotator cuff repair and they fixed the infraspinatus, um, you know not to go reaming into passive internal rotation or to actively externally rotate the arm. So know what the postoperative diagnosis is, and that can help you mo- mobilize that patient earlier. Um, same thing with the knee. We're finding that these people with really stiff arthrofibrotic knees, they have uncontrolled diabetes. Uh, they may have uh, early signs of Dupuytren's contractures, and they are generally stiffer. So those are the people you want to mobilize a little bit sooner. And it doesn't necessarily mean they have to be in CPM machines uh, because the literature uh, now shows that uh, they're not always as beneficial as uh, we first thought. Um, But early uh, active and even active assistive range of motion can help prevent these heavy-duty contractures that not only are painful early on, but can be severely limiting in the future. So we know that people with um, a knee replacement, if they don't gain full extension of that knee, they're going to have a difficult time contracting their quad and controlling themselves when they're doing things like declines or uh, going up and downstairs, especially going downstairs. Shoulders will not uh, gain their full range of motion if you don't start to move them early enough. You don't get full range of motion, you end up with early degenerative arthritis, okay, and early breakdown of that glenoid. And so that in the long run um, can be devastating for the patient. And so, you know, recognize these things, ask these questions to your patients, and um, they can not only help with your diagnosis, okay, identifying what the diagnosis is, but it can also be helpful if you know that they're going to be having some sort of a procedure um, that they could be a little stiff afterwards. So, um, folks, I hope that um, you can take from this the importance of early mobilization, early safe mobilization. Make sure you communicate with the orthopedic surgeon about the diagnosis of the patient, postoperative diagnosis, and um, try to get these people moving a little bit earlier. Try to recognize these problems so they don't become a problem down the road. As we say to our patients, um, hate us now, meaning you know we may stretch you a little bit, we may mobilize you a little bit, and things may be a little bit uncomfortable, but love us later. Okay, if uh, we if they love us now because we are just doing soft tissue modalities or massage or just these passive treatments that are not gaining motion, they are going to hate us later when they can't move, they can't function, they can't play with their children, they can't play sports, um, and they can't uh, do their activities of daily living. So I hope you, um, this all makes sense to you, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. I hope to do a more thought provoking podcast. If you have any questions or would like to hear other diagnoses, uh, make sure you. Go to orthoevalpal.com. Go to our Get in Touch page. Um, make sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you uh, you click um, to subscribe to our newsletter so that uh, you are informed every time we uh, have a new podcast come out. And uh, oftentimes, I have other information I like to share. And um, you can even go to Facebook. Go to uh, orthoevalpal uh, on Facebook. And uh, if you want to become part of the uh, private uh, Facebook group that we have Uh, in there. I do some occasional videos and uh, talk about um, certain topics uh, really briefly. And uh, that's kind of fun. Make sure you do that, connect and um, answer a few questions and I'll uh, accept you and put you on. So again, thank you all for listening. Thanks for sticking with OrthoEvalPal. I'm really enjoying this and uh, I hope you all have a great day. Take care. We hope you've enjoyed the show. For some more awesome content, Go to orthoevalpal.com. Can't wait to see you there.